Before we get into it, today's episode is being released on Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. And when I say Election Day, I mean the Election Day a lot of people have been waiting for, and just about everyone can agree is the most important election of our lifetime. So please, please, please remember to get your vote in. If you haven't registered yet, it might not be too late. 21 states allow for same-day registration, so get out there and participate. And if you're in San Diego, you can come drop off your ballot with me at the Pacific Beach Rec Center. I'll be the guy out front with a blue apron and a yellow ballot bag collecting mail-in ballots. If you're in California, your vote will be counted as long as your mail-in ballot is postmarked today. And everyone else, Google what your local rules are and make sure you do whatever you can to get your vote to count. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Gone Viral, a happy place for lonely business owners who need to hear they are not struggling alone. My name is Grant LeBeau, and I'm your host because my small energy bar business was supposed to have explosive growth this year and maybe even become a medium energy bar business. Instead, just trying to survive through everything 2020 has to throw at us. COVID, murder hornets, huge wildfires up and down the West Coast, currently raining ash on my car. So rather than dwell on these struggles alone, I created Small Biz Gone Viral as a community for small business owners to commiserate and hopefully leave feeling heard and maybe even empowered. On today's show, I'll be interviewing a longtime customer of mine who, because of COVID and this podcast, I've only recently come to know more as a friend. We've bonded over our shared experience of having high hopes for our seven-year-old family business to finally hit warp speed this year only to have that ripped away in one fell viral swoop. And with that, let's get to our fun fact. Yay! Today's fun fact is good news for democracy. Early voting totals have already surpassed 68% of all ballots cast in 2016, and it looks like this election will have the highest number of votes cast in American election history, as well as the highest percentage voter turnout in over a century. Since 1908, to be specific. Extra fun fact, in Texas and Hawaii, early voting totals alone were higher than the total number of votes cast in 2016. And remember, this is before actual quote-unquote election day. Today, November 3rd. <coughs> Vote. <coughs> Sorry, uh, allergies. Now for our facts and figures. The predicted rise of COVID cases is here. As the weather cools and people move indoors for the winter, so too do the conditions improve for viral spread. A month ago, the U.S. was seeing 40,000 new cases diagnosed each day, which was relatively good. In fact, it was some of the lowest numbers we had seen since the beginning of the pandemic. That number has almost doubled, though, as we now are averaging nearly 80,000 cases on a daily basis, and just last week saw a single-day record caseload break the 100,000 mark on October 30th. Unemployment stats are still at historic highs, but at only 750,000 new filings last week, that is somehow the lowest week total since April. So, in some universe, I guess that's a good thing? The Dow Jones lost a couple thousand points, down about 7% in the last week alone. 
My general interpretation is that the market has given up hope on any sort of a stimulus package. But hey, what's the rush? That $1,200 check sent back in April should totally last people through the following winter, right? Oh, and this stimulus for small businesses designed to help for two months that you had to use within two months of receiving it? Yeah, that should definitely keep doors open and business going eight months later. Anyway, in spite of dire warnings from Fed Chair Jerome Powell, Congress has basically just given up on passing another stimulus anytime soon, and it seems like Wall Street has finally come to terms with the fact that there will be no money. Maybe we'll get total consciousness instead. My guest today is Danielle Hazcheck, co-founder, along with her sister and best friend, of Third Leaf Northwest, which delivers fresh fruit and healthy snacks, like Rickaroons, to offices in the Washington state area so employees can enjoy something healthy at work. Their service is seen as a wellness perk provided by companies free of charge to employees. I'm sure she'll have some fun stories to share about how fun the work from home movement is for companies like hers built on feeding employees in an office. And to be clear, when I say fun, I mean nightmarish. Danielle, welcome to Small Biz Gone Viral. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here this morning. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on because I feel like uh, you and I have worked together for a really long time, mm -hmm. although sort of from a distance. And I feel like now I get a look behind the curtain. Yeah, totally. Totally. We've been, you know, using recurrence for a really long time. So it's fun to kind of connect. And we've had similar experiences through all this. So it's just good to kind of talk to some fellow business owners who understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. S sadly, uh, uh, too too similar. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I wish they were less similar. So at least one of us was, was thriving right now, like we were I planning know. on. I know. Um, so I was planning on telling the story just a little bit later, but I'm just going to do it right now. And uh, it, it's an uh, an an ode to to how good of a of a business you have from like a human standpoint. Uh, so over the past seven years that I've had my business, I've made I don't know thousands, literally thousands of sales calls, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I just remember specifically, I can't remember if it was you or Angie, but my first call to you guys went something like this. It was like. Hey, my name's Grant. I'm calling from Rickaroons. I have an organic coconut energy bar company with my family. Can I send you some samples? And you guys were just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take a case and we'll try it. And I was like, wait, what? You're just going to, you're just going <laughs> to buy it. And like to our listeners who aren't in the food industry or who like aren't in sales, that might sound like a totally reasonable thing, but that like never happens. It's always, Hey, let me send you 45 unanswered emails before you tell me that you need another round of samples because the wrong person ate them and blah, blah, blah. And you guys are just like so easy to work with. So there's no real question there. It's just like a, Hey, good job. Keep doing what you're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember. I think I think it was me who took the initial call, and I don't even know how you found us. Um, but you just gave us okay. You gave us the call, and I was like, 
oh, wow, cool. Someone's calling us because <laughs> we were just starting. And I was like, they're like trying to give us some bars. Like that's our whole thing. We're trying to work with, you know, local companies, even though you're not local in Seattle, but local enough West coast. And um, we're like, sure. Yeah. Send us a case. We'll yeah. try them out. Like, you know, and, and ever since then, it's been like a pretty easy you oh, know, so easy. you'll just call us and be like, you ready for some more? It's like, yeah, go ahead. Send us a case. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So easy to work with. And I feel like small businesses supporting other small businesses mm-hmm. is, is uh, well, it's what this show is obviously all about. Yeah, totally. So now that I've told that story, uh, let's go ahead and talk about w- what exactly Third Leaf Northwest is. How did your business come to be? And how did you get lucky enough to work with your sister and best friend? Yeah, so Third Leaf Northwest is a fresh fruit and healthy snack and food delivery service to businesses in Washington State. We deliver um, healthy products to businesses for their employees. So the service is seen as an employee perk where the company pays the entire cost and employees get to have easy access to something healthy while they're in the workplace. Um, and we've, we launched in 2009. So we've been in business um, for about 11 years in Washington state and uh, we launched it while we were in college at Washington State University. Um, so since the initial business started, we've really grown um, our services and we used to only do fruit. And so we've grown it into food and snacks and everything else um, for businesses. And uh, before the pandemic, we were in over 300 businesses across the entire state of Washington, delivering statewide um, with our own delivery vans and our own drivers. Um, and we were in some of you know the most prestigious tech companies in the world. So um, that's kind of where we were. And we, we my sister and I started it, um, the two of us with my dad's help in the beginning. He, it was kind of his, idea. He's an insurance salesman and he just kind of wanted us to start a business and was like, you guys should start a fruit delivery service. And my sister and I just said, okay, we will. (laughs) And uh, we started it in our hometown in Eastern Washington and then kind of progressed it through college. And then in college, I met my best friend, Lexi, where we just clicked. just really well worked together. And so post-college, I asked her, I kind of propositioned her with the idea of joining the company. My sister was younger. And so, you know, it was kind of, we needed to decide what are we going to do after college? Are we going to get jobs? Are we going to try to like really do this company full time? Like, what are we going to do? And I knew I needed a partner. I didn't know what my sister was going to do with her life. Um, So I asked my friend Lexi and said, hi, you know, Lexi, I've got a proposition for you. I'd love for you to be a business partner. We can move in with my uncle Donnie and live for free, but we have to live with my uncle Donnie and we're probably not going to make any money for the first year. So 
um, you know, what do you think? <laughs> and so she said, yes, with, you know, and her parents said that they'd give her, you know, a few hundred bucks a month for food and whatnot. So we moved in with my uncle into the Seattle area where we had, we didn't know what we were doing and we've never really, I've, I'd only been to Seattle despite living in Washington state my whole life, just, you know, a couple times a year. I didn't know, I hadn't spent a lot of time there. So, so when you really graduated, when, when you graduated, how many accounts did you have? Do you remember? When we graduated, we only had accounts in Eastern Washington and we had like 40 accounts in Eastern Washington only. And so what, what, what was about the size of your annual uh, revenue at that point? Oh, it was like, I mean, what? With 40, with 40 accounts, each account bringing in probably like $100 a month. I mean, that's not very much. Okay. So, um, so like 50 grand maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we weren't really making after expenses and paying our driver. Like we weren't, it wasn't really a profitable business at that point. So when you started, you had already hired a, a driver. You weren't, you didn't start off doing the driving yourself. Um, we did not because we, in Yakima, we had, we were going to school at the time. So we had a driver that we hired right off the bat to make the, to make all the deliveries um, in Eastern Washington, that is. Wow. I feel like hiring someone is one of the most daunting steps early on. <laughs> well, well, here's the lesson of what you don't do. I was going to say, um, was it your Uncle Donnie? <laughs> it was my boyfriend at the time, which is not an ideal, like, you know, you don't want to make anyways. Yeah. We were young. And, um, hired him. And then, you know, obviously we ended up breaking up and then it was really awkward because he was delivering and how long did that last? But, yeah, um, probably a year, which was a pretty good wow. you know, amount of time, but yeah, I had to get my dad involved and it was just not a fun. year of awkwardness. And then <laughs> dad, can you, can you fire my ex? Can you fix this? <laughs> Can you fix this and find someone else, please? Thanks. <laughs> uh, okay. So it's 2009. You start the company. A couple years later, you graduate from school. Mm -hmm. You have a driver who we end up parting ways with and bringing on <laughs> other people. And you scale from 40 accounts over the course of the next decade up through, we'll say the end of 2019, up to how many accounts? Um, yeah, like over 350 accounts across the whole state. And okay. when we had, when we really decided to launch the company, that's when we got, you know, after college, like more serious with it and, and thinking, okay, this could be a career. Um, and that's when we were doing the deliveries ourselves for the first year, Lexi and I, you know, threw all the fruit in the back of our Ford Escape and just went and did deliveries uh, in the cities and everything like that. Okay. So you scale up to 350 accounts and the types and sizes of those accounts went from being the type of company who would say yes to a 20-year-old undergrad to what? 
Yeah. So we had, we signed up, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, all of these massive accounts that we had just spent the last, we were probably in Seattle for eight years. And so it took years of networking, knocking on doors, cold calls, everything in between to kind of get to where we wanted our company to be, which was, which was a well-known company within the city of Seattle and around the state where people are like, Oh, where do you get your fruit? Oh, third leaf. Like, obviously, you know, they see our vans driving around. We had eight, eight vehicles that were wrapped very colorfully said third leaf, everybody, you know, it was kind of, we had made, we had finally made a name for ourselves in the city. Yeah. I think that that's, great branding to have the opportunity or, or, or kind of inherent to your business mm-hmm. is like if you are delivering and you have these beautiful vans and you're delivering two businesses then like the business next door is like hey what 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 what's that you got there and oh it's, totally it's so but it's so simple it's so easy it's like third leaf northwest we, you know mm-hmm. we bring fruit to you or or whatever and it's like oh the, yeah yeah that makes sense hey hey guys do we do we want fruit here yeah okay Fresh, cool well call them up our tagline, so it's Third Leaf Northwest, Fresh Office Eats. Ooh, love it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first couple years, obviously a grind. When did you, when were you able to start paying yourself? Yeah, I think after the first year, we we um, started off with, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there and, th- and felt like really cool about it. And then just slowly grew got to move out of uncle Donnie's house, which was good. <laughs> got our own apartment. Yeah. Got our own apartment in Seattle and, and worked out of there for a long time. Still did the deliveries ourselves for like the first three years. And then we hired our first employee um, was a delivery driver. And at that point we knew we needed to get out of our little apartment. If we were going to start having other employees we just didn't want our employees like coming into our apartment and it was just weird so we needed to um find a warehouse space pretty much since we're doing produce mostly and at that point mostly just doing produce so um we co-rented space with um, a produce company in seattle and i kind of just walked around until i found you know, walked, there's a place in Seattle called Produce Row. And there's just like, that's what we call it. And there's just a ton of produce companies just all in a row um, in the warehouse district. So we kind of just walked around there and knocked on their doors and asked if anyone was interested in co-renting space and cooler space with a small growing company. Right. And I assume you're no longer co-renting. No, we still are co-renting oh, you are, space really? with the same produce company. Um, the first, what we were asking for was like one pallet space of in the cooler, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a 34, it's it's 36 degrees, you know, cooler where you can walk inside and just like a massive cooler space. Uh, we were asked, we started off by asking, we just need one pallet space in your cooler. That's it. And then over the past six years, it's grown to, okay, we need 12 cooler, we need 12 co- pallet spaces. We need a full like middle room. We started renting this like middle room space. We rented their entire loft. We cleaned up the whole loft to say, hey, can we work up there? 
um, we started working. We pretty much ended up taking over the whole space. I'm just when you say working in the loft, I'm just imagining you like all decked out in polar like North Face <laughs> gear in the loft in the in the refrigerated space, as if you're working like a 36 degree office space. The, <laughs> yeah, the loft is actually outside of the cooler. <laughs> that that um, makes sense. Yeah, but. It's similar in the winter when we're just like freezing, you know, like bundled up in hats. And, you know, sometimes we would have meetings and people are like, we can come to you. And I'm like, no, 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 we can come to you. <laughs> yeah. Give me an excuse to get out of the Arctic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you've grown to 350 accounts. Mm -hmm. We're heading into 2020. How are things looking for the year before COVID was on your radar? Heading into 2020 was, I mean, we were like, we need our own warehouse. We have really, you know, talking about the co-renting stuff, we have really like overtaken this warehouse and we're using like every possible square foot that we can. Um, and, and so we were looking at warehouse space. We had just bought a new van. So we were up to eight vehicles. Um, in Q1, we were ramping up. We had just signed some massive accounts and we had, you know, meetings in place where these big tech firms were trying to, were telling us that they were going to put us in every single kitchen around their entire campus. And they wanted daily deliveries of fresh fruit. They want a fresh fruit in every office on their whole campus. We had other tech companies saying, we want you to stock our entire kitchen with everything. We want you to stock our kit. We were stocking their kitchens with, I mean, you name like sandwich meat, bread, cereals, um, like everything you can imagine um, that an office would want. And we were doing it all. We were we were doing it all. We had a ton of employees. We were hiring more. We had just hired in March. We had hired three new employees that we were training. Bought a brand new van, got it wrapped, everything. And at that point was when I sat down with my partners and I was like, you guys, like March 1st, when we were coming into like seeing Q1 kind of, you know, the last month of quarter one, I was like, you guys were, we're going to actually like, we're going to make money this year. Like this year, we're going to have a lot of money. And we were all like really excited. Like we finally did it. We've finally gotten to where we, we knew we could, we could be like, we knew we could cut, like, this was our vision over 10 years ago and we, and we made it. And then it was literally like after that meeting, two weeks later, it was like, the everything opposite. yeah and our our service is a subscription service so it's like water or coffee for a business it's just subscription you pay by the month so it's a monthly service so we were just like you know there's no way that all 300 plus businesses are gonna cancel service on the same day like that just will never happen because that, you know, you, you always have people who are canceling and you gaining, but that's the beauty of our service, blah, right. blah, blah. We've said that for years I, since we started. And then it was like two weeks after that, like really exciting meeting where we were going to get a bunch of money and be able to give our employees all these bonuses and everyone was going to get this fat bonus and have fun. And then it was like, we got phone calls almost 
every business we had ever serviced either called us or emailed us and was like, pause everything or like stop everything. And I'm that- I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you right there because that, yeah. that sounds like uh, that sounds like mid mid COVID segment stuff to me. So <laughs> I'm gonna pause right there and just as we wrap up this kind of pre COVID set uh-huh. here. Um, when I, I think that you, you've done a, a really good job already of kind of beating me to it and describing what your expectations were heading into, mm-hmm. into 2020. Um, can you share kind of just a couple of maybe quantitative metrics of either what your dollar forecast was for 2020 or just maybe like percentage growth versus 2019, what you were forecasting? Yeah. So in 2019, we had done just over 2 million in sales. And in 2020, we were definitely on track um, to hit over 3 million in sales. And we were, yeah, like we were, I was looking at new warehouse space, all of that in February. And um, yeah, now on, sorry, (laughs) Did you ask what we are, what are, what we're projected to now? No, 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 not yet. I was, oh, I, I, okay, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. putting you, you, got, you gotta, I, I know it's traumatic, but you gotta go back to the happier times of, of January, February, what you were forecasting when, back when you were looking for new warehouse space, buying new mm-hmm. equipment, buying new vans, hiring people, like you were in full growth mode. Yeah, totally. Right. So skies were blue, roses were red everything was good. Mm-hmm. It was like, we were putting in the money. We're like talking to our accountant. Okay. We might just do this. Like, you know, this is a risk, this new warehouse space, but like, we're feeling good. We're ready. We're going to just risk it. You know, we're going to risk it all. We're going to go, we're just going to go for it. Right. Well, I mean, you've got Microsoft and Amazon signed up. Yeah. That's basically the pinnacle of what you could do as a regional uh, office snack delivery company is have right. the the biggest employers in the state mm-hmm. based or at least the yeah the probably the biggest employers maybe yeah. ex- barring maybe the state itself um you had done it like that that was yeah, the pinnacle exactly and 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 what a great way to wrap up this segment all all hopes and dreams and and everything <laughs> and everything is good in the world yeah totally uh yeah H- hint for the next segment it it doesn't stay that way <laughs> and that will be our little pause right there uh before we go into the unsponsor segment okay so now if you want to just remind yourself of the the details for table 33 okay i think i'm good. you're good mm-hmm. okay great And before we move on to the mid-COVID segment, it's time, as always, for our unsponsor. Our unsponsor is a small business run by awesome people who produce an awesome product and deserve our listeners' support. So, Danielle, who is today's show not brought to us by? Today's show is not brought to us by Recipe 33, based out of Seattle, Washington. They are a small local business that started at University of Washington by one of the founders, Dan Smith, and they infuse 
almonds with all of these different flavors. So you can have chili infused, vanilla cinnamon. They do uh, black truffle infused almonds, which are just my favorite and delicious. So you can buy them on their website at recipe33.com. They're also on Instagram and any other social media outlet possible. So try them out today because they are delicious. Perfect. Recipe 33. I'm on their website right now. And you said the black truffle is the way to go? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Perfect. And with that, we are back into the mid-COVID. I think we already gave a little sneak peek about how things turned. But basically, you said March 1st, you had the the best meeting with nothing but like, hey, guys, bonuses are on the way. Life is good. The only problem is like, we need a, an additional room in our warehouse to store all this cash. <laughs> Fast forward to which... It's funny that you say March 1st. It's not funny. It's ironic. It's sadly ironic. That is the date that we use on this show as day one of the American COVID um, date. Basically, the the, a, the, the AD there. Yeah. The after after COVID. Um, and that's because that was when the first COVID related death on U.S. soil was was March 1st. So 14 days later, we're, I don't know, probably a, a hundreds or now thousands of people are infected um, and we're starting to see just uh, how severe the pandemic is going to be. So we're March 14th. I believe the national emergency was declared on the 13th. So March 14th, walk me through your mindset and, and what those meetings were like as you were handling phone call after phone call. So that time was very nobody knew what was going on everybody you know pretty much every client we have we had built over the past 10 years had called or emailed us saying obviously we're pausing service we don't know what's going on pause everything stop everything so we had to make a decision well what do we do do we stop everything too like how long is this going to be everyone nobody knew and it was all everyone in the beginning was like, okay, this will be a couple weeks, right? Every, nobody knows what's going on. Pause everything for a couple weeks. We were like, since we're monthly service, you know, we had, it was like mid-March and we had asked like, okay, since nobody knows what's going on, everything's in lockdown, especially in, in Washington state, we were on total lockdown. And a lot of clients we had offered, hey, we'll donate the rest of your month's delivery to local charities and hospitals. We will donate it on your behalf. And a lot of our clients opted for that, you know, option. And then, you know, we were like, okay, let's just get through March and April will be a new month. We can kind of see what's going on. And then as everybody knows, it's always been like, well, okay, it'll go till May. And then it's just like every month you just yep. don't know. And, and now we're to the point where we're like, okay, let's just be real. Like we're into 2021 now. Like we're yeah. no longer like, well, what about October? There's no, what about October? No, a, a couple things to add on there. One, I feel like we, as we keep on pushing things back, we just keep on adding an order of magnitude to our postponements. So originally mm -hmm. it was like, okay, this will be a matter of weeks. And then it was like, well, that was naive, maybe a couple of months. And then it's like, well, that was naive. And now we're just on to the to a year, a year plus. 
You yeah. and I were talking earlier about how Microsoft and Amazon, I forget which one, but they basically said, hey, everyone's working from home at least through, and it was March, and then it was you know April, May, and now it's like, I believe it's postponed into June of 2021. So as mm-hmm. you're looking to re to to reassert yourself back onto that path to kind of to right the ship back to that $3 million annual run rate. You're looking at least another eight, nine, 10 months from now before those really big heavy hitters can come back on board. Right. Right. And they don't even know, you know, that's just what we're hearing and, and nobody really knows. Right. And it's the uncertainty that's so difficult. Right. Right. And um, I definitely in the beginning, we were trying to keep all the employees, you know, spirits up. We're like, you know, this will just being positive. This will be, you know, we're confident we'll be able to come back and we're confident we'll have this. And we furloughed people at first, you know, where we just kept paying their benefits and, and furloughed them and just kept positive. And then by the time we got to July, it was like, this is not looking up. So we ended up laying off most of our employees, which was really hard. People who had been with us, who who had worked so hard from the beginning and just like having to say, sorry, you know, like this is out of our control. And when and you just, laid people off in July, had you mm-hmm. already received and run through PPP money? So when we laid people off in July, we had been, yeah, spending all of that money because we weren't, we basically didn't have any income for April, May, or June. So by the time July hit, it was like, we need to, we need to now like focus on trying to save the company. At this point, it was like, we, at the beginning, it was like, we want to take care of our employees. And now it's like, well, crap, we need to... (laughs) we may not even have a business. Like right. now it's about saving the company in general. So that was hard, but obviously everyone understood and it's out of anybody's control. Right. You're not to, to borrow a, a, a local, uh, well, <laughs> like them or, or hate them. Uh, Jeff Bezos is, I feel like is a very polarizing figure, mm-hmm. but like you're not Jeff Bezos here, like raking in billions of dollars. Uh, and then being like, hey, sorry, sorry, employees, I got I got to let you go. You're like, well, I, we have 15 employees. I can either scale that back to like three or four or, you know, just a handful, basically a skeleton crew to keep things alive. Or I can keep everyone on for another month and then there's no business. Right, right. Yeah. So you kind of started to, to answer the question. But when you say you were down to, or we had no revenue for April, May, June, and you had of those 350-ish customers, was it truly like all 350? Did anybody hang on? Was there any revenue yeah, at all? Yeah, so when I say no revenue, it just, it's so little. It was like back to where we were. I, I went back to our, we had pro- we have probably like 30 clients to 40 clients who are considered essential businesses where people who are essential business, like they need healthy foods at work more than ever now. Um, But I went back in our QuickBooks and tried to see when our income was like that low for the month. And it was like back in 2014. So we basically, that was like, so you you regressed like six years. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we basically started. We basically regressed to when we were like living with Uncle Donnie. <laughs> oh boy! Now you're now you're married. You're like, hey, uh, hey, hubby. It, have you met? My, you remember my Uncle Donnie? <laughs> we, we got pack everything up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you are down. 80 ish percent 90 percent so probably yeah. some, somewhere in there um mm-hmm. and your your payroll is is uh has been cut a a commensurate amount down to just kind of that that skeleton crew mm-hmm. uh what is going through your mind as you're as you're seeing those numbers and and you're seeing um you know, an erosion of all of that growth over the, that you, that you've established, uh, from the last, you know, well, 11 years really, but seeing things regress six years, essentially in terms of revenue. So what's going through our minds is we, I I keep, I, everybody has like their ups and down days, you know, and I keep saying we're having to start all over and then reminding myself, we still have those contacts. It's not like we have to start over from scratch. All the work that we did, we still have those contacts and people will get back to work eventually. The matter isn't if people will get back to the workplace. I think there will be some offices that go remote completely, but I think most offices will get back into some sort of coming into the office, maybe not five days a week, but they still will have a presence in a downtown area. It's just a matter of when people will do that. And it's really when there's a vaccine. I think once there's a vaccine, people will start to come back to work. But when will that happen? And when will people be able to get it? So right now it's, we believe businesses will come back and we have had some businesses come back slowly, like a couple, one to two a month. So not very many, but once we get like a couple signed up, we're like, oh yes, like the electric company's starting back up. Awesome. We got another account. Um, but we are really now like, how long can we hold on until 2021 and how far into 2021 is it going to go? Yeah, that's a a really common piece of feedback that I've heard from my guests is the hardest part about all of this is the lack of certainty, like how just how Mm -hmm. generally opaque the situation is, because if this were to go on for five years, you probably just close things down. Right. I mean, you you, you can't make like nine thousand dollars a year as someone who's, you know, entering the next stage of life and, and you're like, Okay, maybe I want to have kids, maybe whatever mm-hmm. it is, that's just not really going to work. And, you know, you're smart and qualified and have grown a business. Like, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could just go down the street and work at Amazon or work at Microsoft mm-hmm. or, you know, find a job that's way less stressful and might not have the the uh, rolling of the dice, like potential upside that is the gamble of having a business that you pour your heart and soul into and grow to a point where maybe it could be sold or or you're back in that March 1st meeting where you're like, guys, we are going to have so much money. This is going to be crazy. <laughs> right. And you finally did it. Yeah. Uh, but the hard part is that you don't know if it's going to be five years or if it's going to be five months, because if it's five months, OK, yeah, you you kind of just grit your teeth through it. 
mm-hmm. and and we survive. And I, as I'm speaking and I'm 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 looking at you on this Zoom interview, but I'm also like very much feeling this myself. Like where you you right. have these connections and you have these core competencies that you've that you've built up and that you've acquired. But are they really worth anything if you have to wait a decade to execute on them? Yeah, I know. And that's we're working with our accountant. Like we have meetings with him, like just to kind of look at our books and kind of like I was telling you, like we don't want to waste or like we don't want to have we don't want to walk away with zero cash and just be like, okay, that was fun. Like go get a new job right now. You're leaving the company with nothing. Like it would be nice. We're not going to spend every last dollar we have, you know, just waiting until this comes back. We have a point where if our money gets down to like this certain point, then that's when we basically say our goodbyes, which would be sad. And and we don't know when it's going to get down to that point you know like once it hits a certain number it's like okay we aren't comfortable anymore and we need to just close down and 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 then we started selling some vans which the van we bought in july we ended up selling like last month because i mean we have eight vehicles that we're paying on just sitting idle and our accountant had brought that up and when he first brought it up like have you thought of selling your vans we were like, what? No, our vans, like they're wrapped. We just, we just bought them. Like they're, they're wrapped and they're so pretty. Like, no, we're not selling our vans. And then we kind of, you know, a few days later, we're like, maybe we should sell some vans. Right. We've started selling our vans, which I don't like, but at the same time, it's kind of nice to have those loans that we're paying off kind of, you know, off the books as well. Yeah. Because not that's one of the really hard things about the uncertainty of it all is if you know, again, that you everything comes back next month. OK, well, then, yeah, it, it makes sense for you to hold on to those vans. Mm-hmm. For us, it's uh, what is like adding insult to injury and kind of like rubbing salt in the in the covid wound is when we when for us at Rickaroons, when we don't produce we in the months that we don't produce, we have to pay storage fees for our ingredients mm-hmm. at our co-packer. So not only are we not making money, but now we have to actually spend money specifically because we're not making money. Yeah, that's it's it's so hard. It's and it's the same with like fruit. Like you make money in bulk. Like when you buy mm-hmm. th- with fruit, there's so much waste. Like think about a box of bananas. We were going through. 60 cases of bananas a week. So there's a hundred bananas in a box. So we are going through 6,000 bananas every week or whatever. Yeah. 60 times a hundred is. I yeah. 6,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's early. It's early in the morning right now. <laughs> anyway, 6,000 bananas a week. And you know, you're just, the waste, like you're going to have fruit waste, but when we're only going through, now we're going through 10, we're going through 1000 bananas a week and there's just higher waste. Like you have to buy fruit in cases. And when we only need, you know, a hundred peaches, but we have to buy 200 peaches, we can't really save our peaches one week to the next, a right. peach, 
a peach, I mean, fruit is so perishable. We can't save it. So we have donating, we have donated a lot to our community um, because of that, but it is creating a lot of waste and um, it ideally like, you know, you want higher numbers or you're not having the waste. Yeah. I think that's a, maybe a a, a misconception or at least something that we should just clear up just a, a little bit, which is when you are a small business specifically, and this probably is a, is a scalable statement, but if you make five X, let's say, let's say you make a, a, a million dollars and you know, 25% of that is profit. So you're making, so you're, you're netting $250,000. If you cut your revenue in half, you're not cutting your profit in half. There's a certain baseline that you need to hit in order and and only after that revenue amount are you actually mm-hmm. making money. And every time you hire somebody on or buy another van or make uh, some sort of, you know, capital I- expenditure for a, a lo- as a long-term investment, you're raising that baseline. Mm-hmm. And so with you with with you it's fruit with you know with me it, it's uh whether it's it's hiring people on or it's you know investing in more ingredients or or whatever is good whatever your inputs are when revenues get cut in half you're not cutting your profit in half you're probably in the negative you're you're in the red right, right you're operating right. At, a, oh, yeah. at a deficit drawing from savings or drawing mm-hmm. drawing from loans which is just a whole nother stressful point that I guess we should just segue right into. Yeah. I mean, on average, our monthly, we're going, you know, minus 20,000 a month, like since pretty steadily since April. And it's like, I, there's, we also have to like pay ourselves to live. So there's, it's, it's basically how much long, how long can you go? Right that negative yeah every month so and that's what we're asking our accountant how long can we go yeah that negative and when you're talking about going from i'm just gonna go run just off of your banana example so if mm-hmm. you're going from six thousand down to one thousand you're essentially down about 83 percent ish so if you're down 83 percent again your profits are not down 83 percent you're not going okay. Well, our 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 uh, equity draw as owners at the end of the year is going to be down eight three percent. No, you're you're negative mm-hmm. twenty twenty grand in the whole every single yeah. month. So again, mm-hmm. okay, does this last five months? Okay, do we have a hundred grand that we can maybe borrow from the from our bank who's seen us grow over the last eleven years, or friends, or family, et cetera? But do you even want to take on that? friends and family debt if if you don't know like if you know it's gonna be five months okay great hey mom dad you know uncle donnie whatever (laughs) but if you're like you might actually no don't mortgage your house to 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 give me money to lend me money because what if this lasts five years and it's that uncertainty that is just it's exhausting. That's why we have a point yeah it is it is exhausting and we have a point that we're gonna get to and like the we had such a good q1 that has really helped us um and like we had a really good 2019 and a really good 2020 that has helped us kind of like like stay alive like right now you know and then the ppp loan has helped like 
So if you get a hundred thousand dollar, we got a hundred and ten thousand dollar PPP loan. So that helps. So if that gets automatically forgiven, that keeps you alive a little bit longer. You got the EIDL loan, but again, you don't want to spend like, and I don't know. It's, it's weird. Do you want to spend that money? Then you have to pay it back or like I, those things, you know, like I'm really hoping the PPP loan just gets it's automatically forgiven. And then that will, you know, keep everybody alive for a few more months. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and, and add to another uncertainty. Not only do we know about COVID, we don't know if we have to pay back, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Like, just tell us. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that, again, it's like, gosh, the, the uncertainty of it all and then of the inherent <sighs> to the situation and then compounded by the uncertainty of what the government is going to be doing. So in terms of loan forgiveness, whether it's the PPP, which is virtually guaranteed to be forgiven. Yeah. Then you yeah. have the the EIDL, which it has really good payment terms. It's like three and three mm -hmm. quarter percent payable mm -hmm. over 30 years. So basically like a really low interest mortgage rather than your standard small business loan, which is usually going to be in like the eight to 10 percent range. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Uh, but... Do you want to be kind of on the hook for that loan forever? Do you want to? Do you want to per yeah. perhaps mortgage your own credit uh, if things start to crumble? It, it's it's stressful. Yeah, the thirty year loan. I mean, it's like yeah, great terms. I I don't know. Yeah, like. The but I'm gonna pay this off until I'm sixty five. Yeah. <laughs> like. Okay, so yeah, they, that's the one I'm struggling with, the EIDL. Like, how do we manage this? Right, you're like, okay, so the, fir <laughs> the first couple of years that I'm drawing from social, social Security, I'll be going to pay that from, like, from the left hand of the government just back into the right hand of the government, essentially. Yeah, so that we haven't touched that much because I'm, like, frankly, a little scared of it, but... <laughs> yeah. Um. So th I think that's that's an interesting th topic that we could g dive so deep into. But like quickly, I guess, do you have any mm -hmm. ideas or, or wishes for like what the country would do for small to, to support small business? I think that they should do automatic forgiveness of the PPP loan of a hundred if anyone received it with $150,000 or less. I think that's a no brainer. Like small businesses don't have the reason, the forgiveness applications, some of them were like 15 pages long and you needed to show like, I mean, they were so intense that small businesses, I mean, that would be you and I filling out these 16 page long forgiveness applications and getting help from either a lawyer or an accountant because we're not going to have we're not going to know some of the answers. So then now small businesses who have no money are paying accountants and lawyers or whoever they need to fill out these forms for forgiveness like you know so I think that would help a lot of small businesses basically by turning anything under $150,000 just making it into a grant instead of a loan. Yeah. And having that automatic forgiveness. Um, I also think potentially doing a second round of the PPP loan could be helpful. Um, they had talked about that. Um, but also making it for more than just like employee counts. 
and making it for like those expenses we had talked about the rent the like giving a loan that had a little bit more flexibility in terms of what the money could be used for mm-hmm. like rent and cost of goods even you know things like that um and just to get some answers like it's just frustrating that they haven't been able to like put anything to it, it felt like right when the pandemic hit the ppp loan came out like pretty quickly i was very like kind of impressed by how it came out fast and we got our money in a few months like it was i was impressed by that and then now it's like we've been waiting for so long like it it just seems like they're not doing anything well it's just yeah i, I think yeah. that and i guess we've just to delineate here, I feel like we are officially into our kind of post-COVID set, which is really more of like lessons learned and how we are adapting mm-hmm. and moving forward because there is, you know, what even is post-COVID now? But what I was going to say is I feel like when this first started happening and a national emergency was declared and we were starting to see and the the infection rates and the death rates were all still new to us and we weren't uh, we weren't uh, numb to them. Like I feel mm-hmm. like we are now. There was a lot of, pr- there was so much pressure on Congress to do something that they were o- able to overcome their like hack partisanship mm-hmm. in order to actually get something done. And now I feel like we're just back to this, like same as it ever was. And Democrats proposing a $3 trillion package, Republicans proposing a $1 trillion, And now it's like, well, the election is just a couple months away. So right. I, I guess we'll just wait for that to happen. And meanwhile, small businesses left and right are like, yeah. hey, guys, uh, you know, who cares who I'm voting for? Can I get a little help here? Right. You passed a package, the PPP, that was supposed to support us for two months. It did. But now we're in month eight, nine, ten, with no real end in sight. Can we get a I little just... help? Why don't they, yeah, and I, okay, you've got two sides, two extremes, you know, meet in the middle. What is so hard about meeting in the middle? I just, like, it doesn't matter if you, like, at this point, stop pushing your own agendas, meet in the middle, and help the small businesses. Like, that's the backbone of America, and every day that you're like, nope, we're being stubborn, we're only going to do our plan. Okay, we're going to be stubborn, we're only doing ours. Meanwhile, every day, like small businesses are going under, and they're not going to be able to come back. Yeah. Like, if you just give a little something, it would help, like, and fix it later, you know, if that's, I don't know, like, just meet in the middle. They wanted, I don't, yeah. I don't know what's so you, hard about that. You, you keep small businesses in in business in the short term. And then in the long term, they will, I think, pay back those those grants, those loans in the form of paying taxes because mm-hmm. they will continue to exist. Right. What's right. what's scary as I prepare for this show each week is one of the things I've started tracking is uh, the breakdown of unemployment and yeah. people who used to identify as short term or furloughed. Um, kind of temporary layoffs, although the 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 total number of unemployment filings each week are slightly decreasing and trending in the right direction, the number of full-time permanent layoffs is actually increasing each week. And so basically that means that more and more of these layoffs are becoming permanent because of companies like yours and mine, and yeah. obviously some big companies too, that are going out of business and just, just throwing in the towel. 
I mean, I didn't even know what the word furlough meant before this. I was like, what the heck's a furlough? I've never heard of that. Right. Like, you know, and then now it's just like, oh, it becomes part of the vocabulary and that you're reading about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and all small businesses are just trying to do like pivot and you've got to feel for you even us, like who started home deliveries, you know, everyone's like, okay, or at gyms or whatever, they, they're doing all these like online videos or home deliveries. And we were really pushing home deliveries um, in the beginning. And then again, when we have meet with our accountant, he basically kind of broke it down and was like, so the cost to do these home deliveries in order to, not lose money, you have to be making 80 a day. And it's like, okay, well, that seems impossible that we would be making 80 home deliveries five days a week Mm -hmm. consistently. So then we just stopped pushing home deliveries because we're like, what's the point? If we're just losing more money by doing it, then again, yeah, what is the point of doing it? Like, so there's not. Yeah. So the, the home delivery thing is I'm seeing I'm seeing businesses starting like starting to like pop up left and right and people are attacking it from all different directions. But it seems like, again, you kind of have to hit that certain baseline in order to make it worth your while. And it seems like at least if you are personally doing them yourselves or having your drivers do them, it's just not going to be worth it. Are, are there other adjustments that you are making trying to kind of re- rebuild things in because you know that the those big companies like the Microsofts and Amazons they're going to be uh in in that work from home mode for a while. So we transitioned into like a new product called we always had just like fruit or snacks or different and we kind of transitioned into doing um what we call just I mean easy fruit and snack box and it's a mixture of our snacks which include raccoons um our snacks and fresh fruit and we'll deliver this box you know to your home to your office you can gift it and it's just a really cute box and that's been a really good seller for us um so we transitioned into new products like that we also transitioned into doing more catering packaged products so if you are in the office and let's say you have a skeleton crew there's 10 people who are coming into your office um those 10 people in my eyes should be getting if 10 people are coming in and everyone else is working from home those the people who are coming in should be able to have get like you know maybe a one lunch a week on the company or something like that um so we came up with these things called lunch boxes and inside the lunchbox is a main dish, and we have um, prepackaged salads, wraps, uh, salads and wraps that you can order, like a kale chicken Caesar wrap or a spinach salad. And our lunchboxes have like a main dish, a I call it a healthy side, so maybe like a bag of pop chips or something, um, a dark chocolate, and a piece of fruit. So offices can order lunch boxes for their employees who are still at work, which it's a really cute idea. And the lunch boxes look really cute. Um, again, it's just finding people who are coming into the office at all. Yeah. Are you seeing traction with that idea? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But we have a couple people, a couple businesses who order it every week, but yeah, not like, it's not like growing yeah. that that well. Yeah. Um, I mean 
No yeah. one's at work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there's only, so that there's makes only sales really hard. Yeah. Sales is so awful. It's so depressing. Oh, I hear you. I, you know, uh, I mean, you, you know this because you obviously, we, we work together, but like we, we had this great rebrand and you extended yeah, the shelf life and all, so good. and all these good things. And, and as I'm doing sales right now, like, you know, we'll, we'll end this interview and, and you and I will you know, it's, it's 745 in the morning right now. And you and I will get to our real jobs and start doing the sales. <laughs> and I feel like you and I are probably of, of one mind here where it's like, it kind of feels like banging your head against a wall where my sales every day are like the responses that I'm getting are this product is great. Oh my gosh. It tastes so good. Love the branding. Really good. Um, normally I, I could sell a ton of these call me in six months though, because, uh, I can't sell any of these right now. And it's like, yeah. okay, can you can you buy any? Can you buy, like is there, is there any sort of something to keep us going? But people are just selling through what they have, and it's just mm-hmm. it, it's and no one's wanting to like make any changes yeah. really either. You know, Everyone's like they're so just trying to yes, they want to go with what yeah. they what they know. Mm-hmm. And so like yeah, and some days it'll be like my sister does a lot of the sales. I do a lot of the operations and her main job has always been, you know, like our sales team. And she, the other day just called me like super upset and was just like, this is so frustrating. Like it also, I feel stupid, like calling people saying, do you want fresh fruit delivered to your business? Like, no, like what? Nobody wants that right now. So we've had to transition on how we're, how we're selling it and saying, you know, we are focusing on essential employees. Do you have anybody at all in your office? No. Okay. We'll see you later. Or if they say yes. Yeah. Like, yes, we do have a skeleton crew. Okay. Well, you know, we are putting together these boxes for skeleton crews that are just these small little boxes that have, um, you know, packaged fruit like a banana it's got a peel on it everything single serve snacks um we'd love to bring them to your essential employees um you know kind of rephrasing how we're selling it Mm -hmm. a bit um but still it is hard when you get when you get told no and frustrated and i've told my sister i was like just take the just stop calling people today it's really just stop you know go on a walk, although there's smoke now, we can't leave our houses, but um, like, just do something else. Take a break. Yeah. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Like, just stop. It's not worth getting uh, so upset over. Like you're not missing like a huge opportunity if you just stop right now and yeah. start it tomorrow. Gosh, the work, we're getting to the, to the end of this interview, but I feel like I could, I could talk forever about this, about how <laughs> as a small business owner, you on Instagram and on on uh, Shark Tank and like everywhere you look in media, you know, you have these these people, these kind of influencers, these motivational speakers who are like, no, you just got to grind. You got to grind. You got to work seven days yeah. a week. I never spent any time with friends for 15 years and I just lived in my office and it's like, well, OK, so <laughs> that's what I feel like we've already done. And then now COVID and it's like, well, even if you do all of the things right and you do and you grind the way that society tells you to, you still might come out of it with nothing financial to show for it. Mm -hmm. You have these great life experiences, but. I think that's kind of like what I'm learning. Like we, we grinded 
and we're where we wanted to be. Like Q1 mm-hmm. was like our dream. We did it. We put in all the hours. My eye was twitching uncontrollably. Like I was like, we oh, were no. like, oh my God, we did it. <laughs> we we're like so stressed, but it was good stress. It was like, yes, like we have so much business. How do we get this all done? And we had made it. And then now it's just like, we just got everything ripped out from under us. Right. Basically, you you built a giant mansion. Yeah. And now that mansion is on fire. It burned down. Yeah. And so when my sister's upset, I'm like, just stop. Like, and that's been my, and my eye has stopped twitching, obviously. Like, I'm not that stressed out because I'm not doing all that much. And that part has actually been okay. Like, just spending some time to relax a little bit, um, you know, spending time with my family and just that there's good and bad days, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's, it's almost like we're going through the, the five steps of mourning right now, <laughs> e- even though it's, it's not dead yet. You know, it's, it's more like, Hey, you, you, there's a, a 50, 50 chance that you're going to survive this, this business cancer. Yeah. And so you're going, and yeah. Just, I just think, you know, it all happens I like in the M of the mantra that like everything happens for a reason and you can't really connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And so, you know, five years from now, when you are looking backwards at this time, it just kind of makes you stronger and you have to realize like, and that's why it's so important to like enjoy what you're doing because there is no promise that of anything like, Oh great. You made it now. What, you know, like, Mm -hmm. And just having fun, like just thinking, so what if we were in these big companies? Like, did I have fun doing this with my sister and my best friend? And if the answer is no, like if I'm not having fun, then who cares? Like how much money you're making or not making or whatever. And just enjoying what you're doing, maybe not every single day, but for the most part, if you're enjoying it, then it doesn't really matter what happens and when you're looking back on your life, you're like, you know, that was fun. Yeah, I think that that is <laughs> r- really uh, like it. It's easy in an interview, kind of in the in the vacuum away from the business itself, like when we're just talking about it, to mm-hmm. to philosophize and to to know that that is. That is the way that we need to feel about it, just for the sake of our mm-hmm. own mental health. But it is totally unrealistic to expect ourselves to feel that way and to acknowledge that it is about the experience and that to, to, to take that glass half full perspective with you into the office every day. Some days you just want to be like, F, this is the worst and I hate this. This is the wrong decision. I need to yeah. just go work for some big tech company and get an easy Totally. Picture. No, yeah, totally. And it, like I said, it's like there's so many like days, good days and bad days. And when you hear your friends talking about like their stock options and like, oh, my stock was vested or like they're like they don't work on Fridays and they do this. It's just like, cool. Awesome. Like, should I have just done that? Yep. <laughs> But, and then, like I said, some days I'm like, wow, I get to work with my best friend and my sister and and make all my own decisions. And that's awesome. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's, you take it day by day. And like I said, I, if you are, I think 
for the most part, we've had fun, you know, with everything that we've done. Yeah. And well, at the end of the day, I feel like you have the infrastructure to survive and to come out of this on the other side as soon as people start going back to work and you'll have made the adjustments. And for that reason, I am excited to have you on next year when you can tell me about how <laughs> this moment right now is rock bottom and it was all, uh, you know, green green pastures from here on out. Or at least that you were able to seek out and, and find those little pockets of green pastures in a, right. in a way to survive and hold on through through the through the hopefully the soonish end of this pandemic. And on that note, uh, how can our listeners support your company now and in upcoming months? So. Listeners can support us. Obviously, we are a pretty much hands-on service. But if you do want to order a uh, box, like a gift box or anything for people, we have something that we've built called the Seattle Box. And it's really cute. And it's uh, we built it for kind of COVID if people wanted to gift people anything um, while they're at home. Um, you can gift someone our little Seattle Box. And it has... Um, coffee in it. Um, everything in it was made locally in Seattle and it's on our website at thirdleafnorthwest.com under our catering section. Um, but otherwise just tell if you're in Seattle, like tell your business about us and we can um, deliver fresh fruit and healthy snacks to you guys. Amazing. Um, Thanks so much. This was this was cathartic for me. Uh, just just as I, I I knew it I knew it was going to be just because I feel like we have such similar experiences and uh, had had such lofty expectations and have need, needed to to meter them and and uh, reframe reassess put put a positive spin on things and you know take into account mental health and and stay in a positive frame of mind as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. And I appreciate you having me on and you doing this podcast because yeah, like you said, it not a lot of people can relate unless you are a small business owner. And sometimes it's hard to find small business owners um, that you can just talk to and, and have people really understand, like all the differences and not really just only talking to your friends who work at these massive companies who actually don't really understand um, what it's been like from a business perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, and, and, and the, being the human behind that, that business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So thank you very much. Thank you to my guest, Daniel Haschek of Third Leaf Northwest. Find out more about her at thirdleafnorthwest.com. Time now for my unsponsor of the show, aka an awesome business making awesome products run by awesome people who deserve your support. And no, they have no idea that I'm doing this. Today's show was not brought to you by Ethique, maker of bathroom and shower essentials like soaps, shampoos, and body wash. And what makes them special is all of their products are eco-friendly bars, shampoo bars, soap bars, body wash bars, always plant-based, cruelty-free, high quality, and vegan. Thanks to my sister, Stevie, for that recommendation. If you love this show, please rate it five stars wherever you listen. But more importantly, just share it with a friend or five. 
If you have suggestions for the show, things you'd like more of or less of, unsponsors or potential guests, please send me a note at smallbizgoneviral.com or an email at smallbizgoneviral at gmail.com. Thank you, Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates, Worldometer, NPR, Robinhood Snacks, Morning Brew, and Statista Daily News emails. Someday this will all be over, and that day could come just a little bit sooner for you if we all wear masks and social distance. So please, do your part. From an office in North Pacific Beach, recorded and edited before and after work hours, or in this episode's case, a little after midnight the morning of Election Day, I'm Grant Laveau, and this is Small Biz Gone Viral. And as always, we're back with a quick bonus lightning round. Three quick questions for our guest, Danielle. Danielle, number one, what is your least favorite question to get at about your business to receive at a party and why? Have you ever tried selling your service to a hospital and or anywhere for that matter. Um, the worst part about that is, of course you've tried selling your business to every single type of business out there. We've, you know, we've done it for the last 10 years. Of course I've called on a hospital before and every other place before. Right, right. For us, it's, have you tried selling at Whole Foods? It's like, yes, yeah, I'm like, in the industry, of course. Thanks. thanks for the insight, like very insightful. Uh, and continuing down this road of of, uh, of negativity uh, with a smile, what is your least favorite part about being an entrepreneur? The least favorite part is all the hats that you have to wear. You in one second in one second you can be on the phone with a customer or making a sales call. The next second you can be handling a driver who just hit another car, and now I'm on the phone with insurance, and then end the day with on the phone about bananas being spoiled. So you're wearing four different hats and you finish your day and you're like, well, what did you, what did I do today? I'm not exactly sure what I did at all, but I did like a million different things. So then you go to bed and you do it all over again. Right. Uh, and then because we like to end the show on an upside, what are the, or on an up note, what are the biggest upsides of entrepreneurship to you? So the upsides are the fact that you are your own boss. I think everyone likes that upside of entrepreneurship. You can do make your own decisions. You don't have to answer to anybody else. And you can kind of be the person who's running your business the way you want to. Um, and for me, I work with my best friend and my sister. So I Although my sister and I can, you know, get into our little tiffs, um, but the three of us have a really good rhythm down, and it's fun. Yeah, working with my sister, I can definitely relate to that one. But you always <laughs> you, you bounce back a lot quicker than you could. Right? Otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's funny that you're. It sounds like the the biggest upside to you is kind of the the other side of the same coin about what your least favorite part of entrepreneurship is. Right? It's it's the flexibility right. and it's the wearing of many hats, and you get to be your own boss. But of course, with that comes the 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 cost of like having to be the one who lays people off and uh, yeah do all the, the the things that are less fun totally and I've I've never known anything else you know so right that's it's just your only been job. my life <laughs> yeah uh, all right I feel like I could talk to you all day but it's a lightning round so we're done. <laughs> 